0: Hi, I'm Lavinia. And I'm Millie. And this is Offbeat on Air. We are on a mission to break our bubble and go beyond the and borders. We want to connect to the outer world and seek inspiration from different people. People trying to achieve similar goals as ours, but in other circumstances with different skills, tools and mindsets.
1: Offbeat on Air is here to inspire you. We will learn how scientists solve problems, how professional athletes think of performance and how surgeons approach the learning process. In a nutshell, in each episode, we will connect to great minds in order to infuse new perspectives in our lives as learning professionals.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of season two of Off Bit on Air. If you had a chance to listen to our very short reflection that we launched a few days ago, you might have heard Millie saying that we want to jump into more creative roles to tap a bit into becoming more creative in in this L and D role of ours, and. We couldn't get a better start of the season than this one, having our our first guest. Mia is a Finnish designer and art director, and she has over 20 years of experience in various creative roles. So a great way to start tapping into creativity. What's super interesting about her is that she moved 25 times and lived and worked in six European countries. And I'm so curious to learn how how that was as an experience. So she does have a wealth of stories to, to share with us. And also she has worked both in small startups and in big corporations and is now currently working as an art director at an online retail platform. Now, alongside everything else she is very very curious and she wants to demystify creativity and demonstrate that no nonsense workflows can help to get the job done so without further ado welcome Mia how are you
2: well thank you and hi thanks for having me here I'm very good thank you looking forward to this discussion
0: yeah. awesome awesome well uh, there's a, a lot to tap into in a very in a very short time but let's see how how we'll wrap this up so to be honest like just jumping into your role because you are the first I think the the first creative role that we we bring in the podcast and we were both really curious to learn what do you do as an art director? What's your What's your role? Like, how do you pick up a project and, and everything else, if you can walk us through that?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question, because, you know, in the creative industries, our titles are a little bit weird, because uh, people think, oh, you're a director, right? Well, yes, right and wrong, because art directors, they literally direct the art, so we don't do direction of the, let's say, company or people. So, so basically what we do is we work with designers. They can be freelance designers or agencies or so on. So we get a creative brief. And then based on that creative brief, we in turn come up with a vision and then share that with the designer. And then, yeah, ideally, out comes a beautiful piece, whatever we are doing together with the designers. So this is a common misconception that people are saying, like one, one old colleague of mine said once, how how can there be like a junior our director? How can be director <laughs> be a junior? But this is just a quirk of, of the creative industries and, and their titles. So we have all kinds like we got art workers we got designers from junior to principal all the way and then we got art directors and then on top of that structure there's creative directors as well to make it even more confusing for (laughs) for people So yeah, this is, I suppose, in a nutshell, but yeah, art directors can work in various kind of industries in creative side. So we can be in digital, print, animation, film, anything. So yeah, it's, it's a very, very vast field of work.
0: That's really cool. <laughs> and to be honest, I, I think Millie can contradict me, but we can relate to that feeling of how do you explain what you do? Your stakeholders might not understand. They assume different that would do different things than what we actually do. So I can I can completely understand. I have one follow-up question to that, actually, because you, you mentioned that as an art director, you can have various outputs, depending on the industry that you work in. And I'm curious, like, what's the process? How do you start a project? How do you like, do you brainstorm? Do you, how do you work with, you know, freelancers or, or in-house graphic designers? If you can share the, the yeah, more deep dive information about that.
2: Yeah, so normally let's talk about in-house art director role, for example. So you might work in an in-house studio. Of course, your vision comes from the company vision. Normally the creative director who who is above art directors commonly works together with, let's say, with the brand brand management or brand directors and so on to k- kind of like uh, come with the creative direction for the company. And therefore, like, of of course, art directors always follow that. And plus you have, handy brand guidelines and sort of practical tools for for determine what you what your work's supposed to end up looking like normally the stakeholder teams would come approach you and say hey what about this kind of a project would you would you help us out on this and it could be a problem that they want to solve okay they might want to say like okay we want to have more visibility for so and so how would you help us to achieve that? That could be like a really broad approach. And then you brainstorm, okay, is it going to be a, perhaps a campaign? Is it going to be internal, external? Is it going to be paid advertisement or, or so on and so forth? It could be a video production. You know, you might want to say like, okay, well, let's do a video instead of a bunch of posters or so on so yeah it's normally together like problem solving what the solution might be and then then you normally our directors work in pairs with project managers because we are the arty types and then we need somebody to whip us to stay on on time and on on budget so yeah normally then you would go with the, with your project manager to a briefing with with your in-house designers or or freelancers or even if it's a, a bigger production then you go to an agency normally and then yeah there you kickstart it and agree on the monies and, and, and timetables and everything. And yeah, the normal process is very iterative. So you have certain milestones where you check in to make sure that you didn't start doing a Pixar production instead of a quick, simple animation. You know, <laughs> so there, there is this. Which can of- happen. <laughs> <laughs> It happens frequently, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, yeah, there's, there are these milestones that you want to check that you're on track, of course. And then so no surprises should happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, wonderful, because I am still stuck with us. We, we direct art. I think that's a big difference from l because we wouldn't have a sentence to summarize and explain <laughs> that beautifully. And maybe I will kind of catch on this art piece because it's so subjective and also working with lots of people and then getting feedback on it how do you define this art in terms of like creativity so that actually people give you the best but you also give them your best and how do you find the middle what are some challenges when it comes to art and subjectivity that kind of goes in line with that work
2: I mean, it, this, this is the beauty of of design, I suppose, because it's so accessible for everybody. Beauty and the curse. Therefore, it's, it's really important sometimes when you work with brands to realize that this is not something you're designing for yourself. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your favorite color is, if the brand color is something else. And therefore... Yeah, it's really important to keep in mind limitations from the start of the project. And also with your colleagues, when you're working on these things, you have to remind them, like, we're working within certain constraints here. This is not, we're we're not all Picassos, even though if we would want to be. And we're not choosing your personal wallpaper color or something. This is something that oftentimes can be a bit tricky. And the worst feedback that you can give to a designer is like, well, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit like, okay, well, why don't you like it? Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it answer to your initial problem? Why, why does this solution not particularly communicate very well with you would be a better approach than just sweeping statement that I don't like it because well, I never liked green. So yeah, <laughs> so these are the sort of common common issues. And I, I think what helps really a lot is to take everybody on the journey from the beginning, and really understand together these are our goals and we are in it together. And, and, you know, sometimes people talk about a stakeholder management and I think that's quite terrible actually, because who wants to be managed? I don't want to be managed. I want to be part of the team that who's working together to find this solution. So yeah, so if if I'm getting everybody on board from the beginning, get them a little bit understanding like, okay, what are my common limitations? What are my particular professional problems for this kind of solution? Then I think there is more chance to find something that is everybody's proud of in the end. Rather than celebrating a triumphant art piece in the end that some ambitious artist has created, I, I think it's much better that everybody got to say that, Thing in a way. Of course, I know this is quite cont- controversial in some design circles because they say, okay, well, you're going to do a design style, a monster. If everybody gets to say like a compromise leads to like a like beige solutions that are really boring solutions, but I think (laughs) there is definitely something to be said about the collaboration. Genuinely, I firmly believe that you need to be able to justify and, and, and sort of take everybody on board in this. Yeah.
1: I wanted to say you mentioned two important one is like aligning on a bigger picture of the mission and values of organization you are in and what is their purpose like you operate in this universe that's one thing that we also often forget about that this is how can we can also filter and bring people on and then kind of I don't want to say educating but also showing what your limitation and what you were called to do and then partnering up okay this is what I can offer so how can we together get there. That's a really lovely approach and and something we can learn from as well.
0: I was thinking about constraints. I often heard that constraints actually can help boost creativity. Although at first it seems like, oh my God, I'm operating in such a tight environment with all these rules. But that's when you actually might end up having the more, more
2: creative ideas. Have you found that to be true? absolutely nothing is more terrifying than a piece of white paper right so if you if you give somebody the oh yeah well this is the worst sentence almost like oh since you're the creative you've got all the freedom no freedom comes only from knowing what the boundaries are so how else do you know that you're stepping over the, over the boundaries if you don't know that they were there in the first place? One of my most productive brainstorms was with a colleague who started the brainstorm like, okay, we can't do anything. So I was like, okay, this is very interesting. Why don't we list every possible limitation that we have? And, and they were like, okay, well, we can't do this or that and the other. And, and then I was like, I was saying, okay, more, more, let's put more and uh I somehow managed to trick this person into a very creative brainstorming mode by listing all the non-possibilities of the world. And in the end, we actually came up with a really, really good creative solution to this problem. But yeah, it's it's sometimes very interesting.
0: Brainstorming sessions can actually start with listing the constraints that you have for for the project, for me, it's a really nice idea to take out of the out of the episode. And thank you so much. When when it comes to brainstorming, because we do a lot of brainstorming in in India as well. Whether if it's you know we we get a challenge and we sit together to think about a learning program that we might design, or even a small workshop that we might design, whatever else that that we do it for our audience. It does usually start with brainstorming. Do you have any tips and tricks for, you know, more productive brainstorming sessions apart from this constraints part?
2: Yeah, well, I would say time. This is how our brains work. So if you could ever do this, send the participants your topic and sort of like a a problem a couple of days before. So that they just read it, no other homework, but so that they can read it. OK, I am asked to do this on next Wednesday, even though they don't think it, it it's subconsciously in their mind. And this is how our mind works so that when you are in the spot, then you are much more productive to do this. And also, if you do have time to separately, this kind of expansion of the brainstorm is the reduction when you actually do what ideas are good to execute. If you have this moment like in this two separate sessions, it's much I found that it's much better than trying to cram everything into the same same session. And here goes a little bit against what i said earlier like you know when you could do this dot voting on the best ideas or something here i would say dictatorship sometimes works a little bit better that you do, do take it separately you you collect all this vast amount of ideas and then actually do the selection process with only a couple of colleagues so yeah sometimes group think and think and things like that that can affect the voting, and and some people might say, well, well, we don't have the budget, we don't have this and that, but you don't want to have those kind of conversations in a brainstorming situation, really, ideally. And of course... Um, yeah, these kind of group brainstorms are, are often for, for extroverts, right? It would be really good to provide some opportunities for people who are more introverted to give their feedback on writing, for, for example, on privately or send you afterwards in an email. Leave, if you do some collaboration tool, Online, you can leave it open for a couple of days and say like, okay, here's still, if, you, if you've if got more ideas popping in, in your mind, you, you have the opportunity to do it later. Because not everybody works also with the same kind of intensity and, and pace. So it, it's quite good to provide these different types of people, different working methods as well. It's interesting because you... You were kind of asked just by working with
1: people, have a a vast portfolio of skills. What would you say that are maybe some foundational skills that you keep growing and nurturing for this specific role that you have? If you can highlight one of those that, you know, by working with people, everybody should get better at.
0: Support for Offbeat on Air comes from Sana. If you're trying to streamline and scale your company and aren't considering SANA, you're missing a trick. Josh Bursin recently said it's the first platform he's seen that can truly be an end-to-end learning platform for companies. That's for sure high praise. Visit sanalabs.com slash offbeat to learn more.
2: Oh, goodness me, this is a bit hard question. Like, I mean, I, I am lucky by, by nature. I'm very curious. So I never, ever stop learning on, on, on various kind of topics. But what I would say, it's important not to limit yourself to the, this particular discipline that you happen to work right now. So be really open-minded. Be be super curious. A lot of films. Read all the websites. I am absolutely hooked in comedy. I have to say that it tickles my brain in a certain way. That I I am I have to listen to to comedy podcasts. I go to watch hundreds of hours stand up, and and so on because. To me, it, it really helps in this kind of positive mindset. Yeah, just to be more open. Because when when you're sort of happy in a happy place, you can't be that limiting, you know? And uh, yeah, that that to me is quite important. And also fun. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. I, uh, yeah. And I mean uh, like very practically, of course, I keep on drawing and 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 in researching in my tools my spare time you know you need to know what's going on with the digital design right now especially there's a big big change happening with within the tool space especially so yeah you you need to sort of keep the hard skills there as well but yeah uh, luckily I love what I do so it it, it's helpful (laughs) you mentioned
1: by being in that state of curiosity you're just receptive of what is coming and therefore prepared as well so maybe Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit what excites you most about this role? Because you shared with us your path that you had various jobs and maybe you can share a little bit your path and share with us what is the challenge that you really love solving with the the role you have today?
2: And my journey has been not the con- conventional one. So I've I've done a little bit of everything. I've done search work and exhibition work in two national museums. So yeah, and then from there, I, I went to journalism for a bit, copywriting, all of that. And, and then I kind of like went back to my roots in arts and design, which I've been doing for the past over 10 years. What is great about this particular role is that you can do it from so different angles and you can work with within whatever industry. So it doesn't almost matter which industry, because you can always include the design and art direction in their visual communication. So yeah, that to me is ever ever-giving part of this job. And the speed, the way industry is changing right now, it's just, you know, very, very exciting. There's always some rabbit hole that you can go into and learn <laughs> that. Oh yeah, we, we know that.
1: And that's why... <laughs> We actually had to go out of it and talk to other people and go to other rabbit holes. But that's really cool because it's so changing. So for us as LD professionals or people working on kind of providing training and further development for various profiles in the organization, yours being among them, what do you think would be a good angle to take to support this? Because you need to experience a lot, a lot of different skill sets are coming together to do this work. What would you say would be a best kind of learning experience if you could have a magic wand that you would
2: imagine in one organization? So I would say that bring together the same kind of similar professions so that the exchange is there. I think this is really important that you have peer support and peer exchange because we all tend to learn differently and different things. So the sharing part is, to me, very important to somehow facilitate that, I would say.
1: Yeah,
0: it's very in line. I, I, I was thinking we could use you like as advertisement for the podcast and for what we're doing with Offit because first listening to you talk about, you know, going outside uh, of your natural sphere and learning about all all those different things that you can basically tap into to inform your creative process. This is exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast as well because we are, you, you know, we both felt, both myself and Millie felt that we were so into lnd that we lacked the space to become more creative that's why we we are talking to an art, art director we talk to architects and we have so many other professions in in future episodes that's one and the second one this social learning piece which is you you mentioned it and it's so important for us as well and we're we're trying to promote that and nudge that into the into the learning world very good to know that you agree with that and i'm curious about something else that you mentioned at, at the beginning of our episode and i'm going to go back to that because okay so you you mentioned the brainstorming process and coming up with some solutions but you also mentioned working with Sometimes working with graphic designers or agencies that are outside of your organization. And I do feel that's another parallel that we can draw with LD because. How we work in l sometimes is that we, we get the challenge, we get the problem, we're trying to figure out solutions, but in the end, we do end up building those solutions with training companies or, or whatever other partners that we, we have from outside the organization. My question is, how do you make sure you engage those people and make sure that they are very aware of whatever the, the problem you're trying to solve
2: is? Well, there is this old saying that your end outcome can never be better than your ri- original brief. And I think there is a lot to be said about that. So sometimes people tend to sort of like skip the briefing. They will get it, but they won't actually. Nobody is a mind reader. And to me, there's not, this is really, really important and of course, there are these very practical things like your guidelines. Okay, this is how we want to formulate certain things. Here's the guideline package, please read it and and, and so on. Obviously, frequent catch-ups. You know, you, you have scheduled certain weekly checkups with the people that you're working with. That's like a very practical approach. And again, here, even though the provider is external, I would really work it with, with a collaborative attitude so that, you know, you we're in it together to make something cool here. Yeah. So in a nutshell, like that.
0: Is there something you always felt like okay we can't miss this from the brief that we're sending to the agency or whatever partner we have
2: oh do you mean like would i have a like a skeleton or some yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah part part of the brief that you always have to share no matter what
2: yeah of course i mean in many companies there there are core brand guidelines that are there Mm -hmm with a sort of vision and value statements and so on. So this is the definitely the part that I would never never miss. But then also like in a practical terms, there are a lot of systems that work, help people to work a, a really good creative briefs. So for example, in my current role, I've, I've developed this kind of form. It's, it's mm-hmm. a simple form, but it, it, it really has a certain compulsory fields that people need to fill in. Mm-hmm. And that sort of forces them to think about a little bit. So yeah. There's definitely nice. help help out there. You can get. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice one, thank you. And now for the very hard question in our field, and I bet if it's the same in your field as well, which is measurement, the the way we measure the impact of our work for for us in LD I can I can tell you that it's extremely hard. It it just has so many factors that you know have have an impact. Into people's growth and change and so on, so I'm curious how how do you measure the the work that you do, the impact that you have?
2: Oh, the lovely KPIs and all the numbers that every every creative person absolutely loves, so excluding UI UX designers, of course. Well. So what I would say it's it's if we're talking about brand level or brand love, and so on, you know there are certain tools that you can use or services that you can do like a survey or measurement before you start an initiative and then after you finish initiative and how like somehow measure the impact, but it's at best it's a little bit fluffy, right? So it is sometimes very hard to to actually have hard numbers against your work. Of course, there are possibilities. Let's say you run a campaign on, on a certain channel. You can do A-B tests and things like that. But they, they are still a bit limited in terms of like what do you actually want to measure. But yeah, it is possible to set certain KPIs and force the work to follow and, and measure it. But uh, yeah, it's I would say it's a much rarer cases than that in, in everyday life, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: It- <laughs> I'm going to be so selfish now just saying it's it's so refreshing to know we're not the only ones struggling because it does feel again when you're in your own bubble it's like oh my god everyone else is bringing value they know exactly how they bring value and we're not we're the only ones that we can't measure impact which especially if you're someone that is trying to see what what my work is doing and so on, can can be very, very challenging. So just knowing that, you know, we're not the only ones. we it, It's fine and we should do our best in measuring our work. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, we should beat ourselves up maybe that we can't always, always do that. So thank you for sharing that. And there's something else that you that you mentioned that i want to tap into you i think twice you mentioned the future and what's happening in the field and i'm curious i actually think i have two questions the first thing is what is happening <laughs> what is changing in your field and the second thing is how are you keeping yourself up to date with with you know not becoming obsolete because of these changes
2: yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about the machine learning right now. And it's a big hype out there with all these artificial intelligence models coming. And some, some creatives are there. Okay, they're still in our work, which is, I, I think it's a fair point if they harvest a lot of designers or artists work and then sort of regurgitate this into something else, of course, copyright should be paid. And there are cases where companies are now suing that they harvested whole databases of imagery. Sure. That aside, I would say these are really interesting tools that we, we should all in creative positions to be investigating and see how we can use them. You know, how can we speed up our process? Maybe it's possible to come up with quick mockups, actually much, much quicker than we ever ever thought is possible. You know, there are so many opportunities out there and it's like really literally mushrooming right now is expanding so much. So, yeah, that brings to the other points: How do you keep up to date on on things? Yeah, it's easy to say, just stay curious on everything, but you can't. So I would say, talk to you, talk to your peers, talk to your colleagues, learn from them what they've learned, try to discover some things yourself. But yeah, sharing, sharing is fundamental. But I want to say also, like for those people who think like, okay, well, this is this is it now, all the designers are dead. No. There's still the the classic, the the way things are interpreted and how you create visuals, that's never going to like change in a way. So what I mean is good design is still good design and solid compositions are solid compositions. So it is crucial to understand that no machine will take your work. It will be just another tool to perhaps make your life a little bit easier. Like it's a bit like... I would say in a car comparison, you've got cars with manual gears and you've got cars with with automatic gears. Why should we know how the engine wants to work and all of this? Let's just drive, you know, enjoy the ride.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that optimistic focus of it because it can get quite overwhelming, of course. But it's, hey, let me understand. And luckily, there's also quite a lot available for people if they're curious enough to also... Get themselves updated just if you find time. I think always the time is the 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 tricky one, but still I love that you are promoting this more optimistic view on that. I think we all need that, and also just kind of yeah, being there with your peers and collaborating, which is the key of of it all, if I can sum it up. Do you have any last thoughts you want to share with with us? We are already reaching the 40 minutes, (laughs) it's it's really fast that you think you know it would be valuable for people working in the learning space to get inspired by by
2: your your vocation what i would want to say is it's just you work together with people right so talk to each other make sure that everybody is understanding what the goal is let's do it together rather than having individual superstars
1: absolutely love that Thank you, Mia, so much for being with us, with sharing your story with us and giving us now some ideas to expand on more. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you again for for joining us at our first episode of the second season. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast.
0: Hope you learned as much as we did, and that you took this as a gentle nudge to reflect on which of Mia's practices you can adopt in your work as a learning and development professional. If you're looking for more resources, go ahead and subscribe to our newsletter or join us in the Offbeat Fellowship, where we facilitate social and practical learning, among others, to help you grow in your career. Create a happy day and never stop learning!